Responsibility. Civic Election Day. Who will voters choose with so many vacant positions to fill? They took a couple of gasps and he was just gone. Poison dogs. What owners have to watch for to prevent any more deaths. And chaos at the border. Thousands of migrants face a humanitarian crisis as they flee Central America. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us on this Civic Election Day, a chance for British Columbians to select their local governments. The lineups have been long in many municipalities and there are plenty of candidates to choose from. Almost 3,400 names are on the ballots today. That's province-wide and that includes 74 people who have since withdrawn. They're running for seats on municipal councils, regional districts and school boards, 250 races in all. And our Sarah McDonald is tracking the situation for us in Vancouver tonight. Sarah will be busy. Chris, that is for sure. And regardless of who wins tonight, one thing is for sure. The political landscape of Vancouver is about to change dramatically. This civic election, unlike anything this city has seen in recent memory, including the ballot, which is longer than anything we have ever seen before. And it's causing some long lineups at polling stations tonight. Take a look at this. 21 candidates for mayor, 71 people running for 10 city council seats, a total of 158 candidates for voters to choose from when you add the school and park boards in there as well. Now, this campaign has been one filled with twists and turns. Vision Vancouver ultimately, of course, opting not to put forward a candidate this time around, ending a decade-long dynasty and paving the way for new leadership. The question now is who will that be? Will it be Kennedy Stewart running as an independent or Ken Sim with the NPA? We also have Shauna Sylvester also running as an independent and Hector Bremner, a former NPA hopeful, now running with Yes Vancouver, his own party. Both Sylvester and Bremner could be dark horses in this race and if nothing else, they could certainly certainly split the votes, but this election will largely be decided on who cast their ballots. Stewart, of course, drawing largely from the centre-left. Sim drawing largely from uh, the centre-right, uh, along with both uh, Sylvester uh, and, uh, and Hector Bremner, respectively. Now, the biggest issues in this campaign, of course, is housing, including that controversial empty homes tax and density, the city's opioid crisis, transportation and taxation also uh, topping the list with those big issues. But one thing is for sure after tonight, this will no longer be the city of vision of Vancouver. The question is who will be at the helm of City Hall and what sort of city council will he or she be working with? It's going to be exciting to find out. Thanks very much, uh, Sarah. And BC's second largest city is also facing a potentially transformative election, but that change could see the return of a familiar face. Sonia Diol is in Surrey for us tonight, where some political heavyweights are battling it out for the mayor's chair. Sonia. Chris, and what a battle this is turning out to be. I'm at Central City uh, Brew Pub in Surrey, where a lot of uh, supporters of Surrey First and their candidate, Tom Gill, are going to be gathering. Uh, this is the podium where Tom Gill will be standing, either celebrating uh, taking Surrey First uh, to victory and keeping that dynasty going. But you've got to remember in this battle, hot on his heels is Doug McCallum. He has huge name recognition. He was the mayor in, in Surrey since the mid-90s uh, through to 2005. 
and, and quite a painful history with Surrey First for Doug McCallum. Uh, Diane Watts was the, the person that ousted him. Linda Hepner, when he tried again, uh, he lost to her by 20,000 votes. Uh, could this be uh, his night, his comeback, his resurrection? And then, of course, uh, you have got uh, Bruce Hayne, uh, who was a councillor, sitting next to Tom Gill uh, in the Surrey First Council, uh, where they have dominated. Uh, but he left saying that he didn't agree with the party and how they related um, and set up his own party, Integrity Now. So he's also hoping for that mayor's job. And the issues here are emotive. You've got transit. You've got an LRT line at the project where the federal uh, government has already pot promised a huge pot of money, as well as the province. That is a deal good to go. Uh, but you've got uh, Doug McCallum, who says he wants to scrap it. You've got Bruce Hayne, who says he wants to pause it. Then, of course, you've got uh, the issue of crime. There was a shooting during this campaign as well. And when things like that happen during election time, it does push those issues back to the fore. Now, whether people voted on uh, Doug McCallum's promise to get a separate police force and get rid of the RCMP contract, whether they've uh, wanted to listen to Tom Gill, who wants a referendum on the police force, that is what we're waiting to see tonight. Uh, and I think it's safe to say uh, it is right now, it is very, very unpredictable in what is turning out to be a three-way race here in Surrey. Results should start coming uh, very quickly after 8 o'clock. Thanks very much, Sonia. We'll check in with you a little bit later. Well, some drama in Surrey and Vancouver, but those are only two of the many municipalities where there will be some hotly contested battles. That's right. With more on some of the other races we're watching, we're joined by our Keith Baldry and Richard Zussman. Hi, guys. Hey, guys. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting place, not just in Vancouver and Surrey, but Richard and I are going to talk about a couple of other, a few other mayoralty races in Metro Vancouver and the island that I think are going to be quite fascinating. Starting here uh, in Burnaby, where we are, Richard, Derek Corrigan facing a tough challenge. He's been a, a, a mayor for a long time and a pivotal player in terms of being a regional po uh, politician uh, and leader. He's facing a tough challenge from Mike Hurley, the fireman. So that's what I want to take a look at. Yeah, Delta's another big one. We know Lois Jackson won't be the mayor again. She's not running again. Three-way race there. Jim Sesford, mm -hmm. the former police chief. George Harvey, he's the guy that used to run the city when Jackson was the mayor. And Sylvia Bishop, a city councillor. Those three duking it out in Delta. Yeah, and also another one, a familiar face is running or trying to return to the political fold. Someone we, yeah. you and I have covered for yeah. years, and that's Peter Fassbender, former uh, minister under the B.C. Liberal government, trying to run to reclaim uh, his job as mayor of Langley City. So Peter Fassbender not wanting to leave the political scene, and we'll see if he's going to return tonight. And I think one of the ones in terms of impact on the provincial government that everybody's thinking about is Nanaimo. Mm -hmm. Leonard Krogh, an MLA right now for the NDP. Uh, he is running. Uh, he's very popular there. There's no incumbent. Bill McKay's not running again. And if Krogh ends up winning there, it will force a by-election because he'll have to resign his seat in Victoria. Yeah, a lot at play, a lot at stake in that one. Another one, I'm going to throw this in because Richard and I actually live there, and that's, that's Victoria, where uh, Lisa Helps, a rather controversial figure for taking down that statue of John A. McDonald, putting in bike lanes with a lot of consultation. Uh, she's in a, a potentially a tough race. I think she's going to eke it out there. What's your, you're a resident there. What, what's your call there? We're going to see. It depends if the angry vote splits and how much of that ends up. Uh, we'll see. That's one of the races we're going to be watching. I will be here in this yes. results centre. It's a chance to show you how councils will look. And Keith will be down 
with you guys, yeah. <laughs> giving the big analysis about why, what all this means for British Columbians. Kate's with us, but you get the fancy <laughs> graphics, Richard. Yeah, it's exactly. going to be fun. <laughs> all right, guys, thank you. Well, we do have special coverage of the civic elections beginning tonight at 8 on BC1 and CKNW and continuing on Global BC as well at 10 p.m. Our coverage is also online at globalnews.ca slash BC and on our Global BC Facebook page. We'll be doing some Facebook Lives. All right, uh, there is other news happening, and we'll report on that now. Vancouver police have made several arrests in connection with an early morning brawl that sent four people to hospital, three of them with serious injuries. Police say the fight broke out just after 3 a.m. on the Granville Strip near Helmkin. It involved two groups of men and women in their 20s and 30s. By the time officers broke it up, three people had been stabbed. A fourth person was treated for minor injuries. Police are asking for anyone with cell phone or dash cam video to come forward that might help in their investigation. A warning for dog owners on the North Shore. Two dogs have died in recent weeks after visiting a popular park and police suspect poisonous mushrooms are to blame. But as Jill Bennett reports, one woman who lost her pet thinks something more sinister may be involved. And he obviously smelt something and came bounding in here. Joan Stewart Gay was walking her dog Clooney on the Thanksgiving long weekend in Kate's Park in North Vancouver when he ate something on the ground. He was uh, panting and uh, unsettled, you know, when, when I was going to bed and didn't settle all night threw up once or twice. Early the next morning, she was about to take Clooney to the animal hospital, but it was too late. He was breathing very shallow at the time, and, uh, and uh, he took a couple of gasps, and he was just gone by 7 in the morning. Stuart Gate reported the death to the RCMP. RCMP confirm at least two dogs have died, and while there is no confirmation, police say toxic mushrooms could be to blame. What uh, has come to our attention this week from District of North Vancouver Parks Department is that there are mushrooms growing in the parks, just naturally growing that are poisonous to dogs, or at least we believe that to be the case. But Stuart Gay isn't convinced, saying her dog never ate mushrooms and wouldn't have been attracted to them. I just find it strange that they're saying it's mushrooms because I don't think they've proven it's mushrooms. Last month, another dog was poisoned after eating what appeared to be bacon bits on a white powder in nearby Windsor Park after threatening signs were posted. Whether the most recent cases are mushrooms or something else, there are signs to watch for. They got into a bush. Um, they were not too sure what they got into. And then now, two or three hours later, they've had some vomiting and diarrhea. Then I would definitely uh, look into going to the veterinarian at that point. For now, dog owners in Kate's yeah. Park are being advised to keep a close eye on their pets and use a leash even in the off-leash areas. Jill Bennett, Global News. Metro Vancouver residents are soaking up what has been an almost two-week stretch without rain. This at a time of year when umbrellas are usually out in force. The dry spell follows a long, hot summer. And Paul Johnson explains what this means for the region's water supply and whether this will be the new normal going forward. Who could disagree that we've been having nothing short of a spectacular autumn, a stretch of warm and sunny days that just doesn't seem to end? Yes, this October has been incredibly dry, especially with this stretch of beautiful weather that we've seen. A typical October would have the lower mainland soaking with 120 millimeters of rain. So far, we've had 16. That's 14% of average. And even if it started pouring tomorrow, this October will go down as one of the driest in recent memory. 
So overall, we've had a pretty good uh, year. North Vancouver Mayor Daryl Musato says the region's reservoirs, which supply most of Metro Vancouver, are actually in good shape. Well, the three reservoirs themselves are in are really good shape for this time of year, so we have planned for that. We're happy about that. Out here at Burnaby Lake, the water level looks like it's a little bit low for this time of year, but utility managers are telling us they're not too concerned with the levels in our reservoirs. So they want people to still be mindful that now is not a good time to be wasteful with water. Utility managers want consumers to cultivate a year-round practice of conservation, whether we need it or not. Well, getting attached to a heavily watered lawn may do little damage now. Just wait until the next drought. We've had dry falls in the past, 2015 comes to mind. So uh, we are, we're doing well, uh, but we're still encouraging people to conserve water, even though we're going into the rainy season. Paul Johnson, Global News. A pedestrian has died after being struck by a vehicle in Kamloops. RCMP say it happened around 1.30 this morning on Seymour Street near the BC Lottery headquarters. The area was blocked to traffic for several hours while police investigated. There have been some reports that a taxi was involved, but RCMP have not confirmed that. Cannabis may be legal across Canada now, but it's still against the law to hotbox a car. Someone on Vancouver Island learned that the hard way. Saanich police issued their first ticket under the new laws to a person smoking a joint in the passenger's seat. You are allowed to have marijuana in a vehicle, but you can't smoke it, even if you're a passenger. The passenger was slapped with a $230 fine. The driver was found not to be impaired and allowed to continue on. Now, two B.C. cabinet ministers got their first glimpse inside the province's only legal pot store. Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth and Attorney General David Eby toured the first B.C. cannabis outlet in Kamloops yesterday. Since legalization on Wednesday, weed buyers have made more than 11,700 transactions online and more than 1,300 in-store purchases. The interior city was proactive in getting the store, and B.C.'s top cop says it's up to municipalities to decide if they want legal pot shops. We made it clear that local government was going to be able to decide what kind of stores they want in their communities, whether they want uh, government stores, public stores, or a mix, or indeed no store at all. Many communities have said that they wanted to be able to deal with the issue of licenses and where stores were going to go after, uh, after those local government elections. A temporary road is being built for residents of Old Fort, isolated by a slow-moving landslide south of Fort St. John. Earth is still moving in the community after the slope gave way last month, but the surrounding area is stable and homes are no longer at risk. Transportation Ministry crews expect a temporary access road over the slide debris will be complete within three weeks. BC Hydro crews are also being allowed into Old Fort to figure out how to restore service to the 54 homes evacuated. After recently pulling more than a thousand needles from a Vancouver Island River, a group of volunteers is back at it this weekend. Howie George and his crew out cleaning up the Cowichan River again today, this time wading into an encampment set up along the riverbank and clearing out truckloads of garbage, including mattresses and other furniture and more used needles. The same team collected over a thousand needles from the area last week and handed them over to the local Sharps pickup program, which says the need for their service has exploded with the opioid epidemic. 
Animal rights activists have held a rally in downtown Vancouver this afternoon. The protesters marched from the art gallery through the city in support of better treatment for animals by the food, fur and research industries. So-called roaring silence demonstrations are taking place in cities around the world. Organizers say hundreds of millions of animals are killed in Canada each year. We're out here in solidarity with the 100 billion animals that are slaughtered every year on our planet to feed humans. Uh, this is, in essence, a funeral march, so we're trying to do it quietly and with dignity and bring awareness to the plight of animals across our planet. A bridge along the Mexico-Guatemala border is the scene of a growing humanitarian crisis tonight. Thousands of migrants are stranded there in the sweltering heat. They have been walking for more than a week through Central America, hoping for a new life in the U.S. But tonight, they are stuck on that bridge and in the middle of a political tug-of-war. It is crowded and chaotic. Tonight, thousands of migrants, mostly from Honduras, are stopped at the Guatemala-Mexico border. Pleading to get through desperate for food and water. Azucena Delgado has been sleeping on the ground here for days. She says her son is 11 years old and she left El Salvador because of the violence. Their journey began more than a week ago in Honduras, a planned 2,800 mile trek through Central America, Mexico, eventually hoping to reach the U.S. border. On Friday, they clashed with Mexican police here wearing riot shields. Some migrants jumped into the river using rafts to get across. Others burst through the police barrier. The officers unleashing tear gas. Mexican authorities are allowing a small number who are seeking refugee status to pass. They're taken to this shelter. Families clustered together, some sleeping on the floor, exhausted. U.S. President Trump says today he is not satisfied with Saudi Arabia's explanation for the killing of a Washington Post journalist in Istanbul, but adds it's a good first step. After denying it had any knowledge about the disappearance of Jamal Khashoggi, Saudi Arabia now says he was killed in a fistfight inside the consulate in Istanbul. Saudi Arabia has arrested 18 of its citizens and five senior officials have been fired. That includes two who are very close to Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salam, who is leading the investigation. President Trump says he finds the Saudi explanation credible. They've been a great ally in the Middle East. Uh, we need them as a counterbalance to Iran. And so it's not the simplest solution. It's not the simplest situation to be in. But I think we're, uh, I think we're doing very well. I think we've come a long way in a short period of time, and it'll get solved. Tens of thousands of protesters gathering in central London today, demanding a new referendum on the UK's departure from the European Union, holding stop Tory Brexit signs. They want the public to have a final say on the government's Brexit deal with the EU. The demonstrators argue new facts have come to light about the costs and complexity of Brexit since Britain's first voted to leave in 2016. The UK is scheduled to leave the EU on March 29th. So much has happened, so many more facts have been uncovered since the referendum, which was really based on a lot of false information and, and, and lies, effectively. And I think public mood has changed in the United Kingdom, and if it was put to the people again, we choose to remain in the, in the European Union. Young people, we stand to lose the most because Brexit is trying to drag us back into the 1930s. And that means we're going to be less prosperous. There's going to be more of the 
racism of that era. Prince Harry opening the Invictus Games at the iconic Sydney Opera House in Australia. You are the role models to us all, and you are going to put on one hell of a show. Prince Harry praising the athletes for their service and dedication at the opening ceremony. Harry founded the Paralympic-style event for wounded military personnel and veterans back in 2014. He's attending the week-long Invictus Games with his wife, Meghan, the Duchess of Sussex. Europe and Japan have teamed up to send a rocket on a seven-year mission to Mercury. The Ariane 5 rocket successfully lifted a spacecraft carrying two probes into orbit. The probes will investigate the surface and magnetic field of Mercury. Officials say the 800 million kilometer journey is one of the most challenging in history. Scientists hope to learn a lot more about our solar system. Pretty cool stuff. So usually we would say Yvonne's in for whatever Christy and Barry's in for Squire, but tonight you guys can say we're in for yeah. Sonia. Work in the, the weekends, huh? A lot of people are checking, go, is it Saturday? <laughs> like what day is Friday? It? We're confusing people for been sure. It's been a few yeah. years since we work weekends, but we're doing it, of course, for the civic election coverage that will be coming up this evening. Real quick glimpse before we get there, though, about uh, weather and another beautiful weekend. A great day for people to get out and vote today. Uh, plenty of sunshine. It's been dry. We are now on day 12 of potentially 14 with this dry stretch of weather. A quick glance at some of the statistics. Our chief meteorologist, Mark Madriga, dug these up. We're looking back at days without rain, so we're, we potentially may get to 14 but that doesn't stack up in comparison to 1986 with 24 days without rain back in 1987, 21 and 2013 at 18 days. So the potential is there to see up to 14 days without rain, but a big change will be on the way. The return for some wet weather, cooler temperatures. I'll break that down very shortly. So get ready to complain. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> get that umbrella back out. Dust it off. All right. Hello, Barry. What's hey, well, lots going on. Canucks are back in town. It's been a while, a couple of weeks since uh, they had their long road trip. Uh, Elias Pettersson did skate by himself today. He's not going to be in the lineup probably still at least a week, I would say. And how about those Lions As the, at the game last night? They're looking mm -hmm. good. I mean, in the CFL, you got a, you got a peak for this time of year, and the Lions are right on track. So we'll have a look back and hear from them as they clinched a playoff spot last night. It's all about timing. Mm -hmm. It is. Okay. Thanks, Barry. Thanks, Thanks Barry. It's a once-in-a-lifetime lifetime ride for families with children battling some life-threatening illnesses. Aiden's Cup is the full-throttle legacy for a young boy who loved fast cars. Give me a thumbs up, buddy! Jackson is ready to race. He's one of 20 special kids fast-tracked to ride in a supercar. And speed past this sign. How fast were you going? We were going about 180 kilometers an hour, right? Wow. How was the ride? Awesome. Yeah, what's the best part? On a closed track at Pitt Meadows Airport, families of children fighting life threatening illnesses getting a chance to revive the fast and the furious. It's a tough day. It's, it's a sad day, but it's an overwhelmingly happy day. The second Aiden's Cup hosted by the Children's Wish Foundation in honor of Aiden McCauley. The 13-year-old lost his brief battle with an aggressive form of soft tissue cancer in 2016. But in the midst of his struggle, 
Aiden was granted his wish to test ride dream cars. He was such a, a happy guy and he loved life and he loved making other people happy. That legacy living on with Wish Kids now sharing their own happiness recipes on an R8. You know, I give them two options. They can, my car can go fast or super fast and you know what they choose. They always want to go super fast. <laughs> Fast. You see the happiness on their faces and it makes makes our sadness go away. Kristen Robinson, Global News. So cool. Very cool. I think the drivers loved it too. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Coming up, a thrill of a different kind. Accelerating at 9.8 meters per second squared. Why these guys are jumping off a perfectly good bridge. Join Global News and CKNW live from Robson Square Friday, October 26th for the Variety Week Wrap Party celebrating five days of heartwarming stories from Variety, the children's charity, and featuring a 60-foot high Ferris wheel. Global News, we are BC's News. The perfect day to get out and vote today. Sure is. Especially, yeah, weather will not be an issue mm -hmm. at all. No excuses <laughs> there, but a change is coming, isn't it, Yvonne? Yeah, a big change. We've been advertising it, and as I said, at the top of the show, we're at day 12 now of dry weather without rain, and we'll talk about when it will make a return in just a moment. It's been spectacular. Here's the sunset this evening. We have seen some hazy conditions, though, across Metro Vancouver. On the cool side, with temperatures still sitting at 11 degrees and a northwesterly wind light at 13 kilometers per hour. 13 was the high today, slightly above the average for this time of the year that sits at 12 degrees and some spectacular shots of the fog this morning. This was still sent in from Sylvia from the River District in Vancouver. Sherry, a fantastic shot of the sun coming up this morning in Steveston and a beautiful shot sent in from a camera guy in Okanagan rather from Travis Lowe and this is of the Lockview Trail in Kelowna so thank you so much for sending those in a quick check on what we do see or will continue to see rather the fog forming because of the clear skies and the light wind we have a bit of a temperature inversion with the warm air aloft and the cooler air below and this will still stay for the next two potentially three days especially for the interior the northwestern corners of the province that's where we're still tracking some shower activity and an increase in cloud cover all areas across the province benefiting from this ridge of high pressure that's been in place over the last little while rounding off our weekend with sunshine Monday Tuesday still squeezing out dry days but on Tuesday we'll start to see a transition day a chance of showers could develop late in the day and then much wetter for Wednesday Thursday Friday and then the ridge starts to build in again for the weekend rainfall totals will take this from Wednesday to Friday we could see upwards of 40 millimeters along the North Shore higher amounts for eastern sections along the island and western sections could get up to 60 millimeters so with the rain, we are going to see a significant amount. That will take us Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. For the piece tomorrow, still hanging on to sunshine. Temperatures at 11, southwesterly wind at 20 kilometers per hour. White Horse will still see a chance of showers for tomorrow. And the winds gusty at times up to 60 kilometers per hour. One more dry day for the north coast. An increase in cloud cover. Rain pushing in for both Monday, Tuesday. Caribou and central interior seeing the fog setting up once again overnight for the morning hours. And then dissipating come the afternoon. Similar weather picture for the Columbian Kootenai. Highs of 16, well above the average that sits at 11. Thompson Okanagan, we've got fog, valley cloud, and then sunshine for the afternoon, hitting a high of 14. 
Whistler tomorrow, 16 will be the high. A chance of showers developing late in the day on Tuesday. And similar across the island in Metro Vancouver, we'll have fog for the morning hours or low cloud, dissipating a similar weather picture tomorrow with that sunshine. Up to 14 as the high. Areas away from the water tomorrow could get closer to 18 degrees. And then keeping an eye out, Tuesday will be the change, our transition day and wet weather midweek onwards and heavy at times as well. Guys? We have been warned. All right, thanks very much, Yvonne. Extreme bravery on display in West Virginia today. Base jumpers taking the plunge off New River, uh, New River Gorge Bridge in Fayetteville, West Virginia. This year marks the 39th anniversary of New River Gorge Bridge Day. The only day that it's legal to parachute from the platform. What started in 1980 as a small event has grown into the state's largest one-day festival. It's very literally named, isn't it? New very... River Gorge Day. Day. <laughs> And uh, I don't know if that's bravery or just pure craziness. We, uh, yeah, we are going to continue with uh, our coverage of Decision 2018, BC's civic election throughout the evening. And we've got lots of folks with us tonight. For more, we join Simi, Sarah, and her election panel. Hi, Simi. Hi, guys. Yeah, we have a great election panel lined up for you. There'll be other ones as well. We're going to be providing analysis all throughout the evening for our coverage. No matter where you are, we will have those results for you. But let's introduce you now to some of the people you're going to be hearing from all evening long. And that is, we have Mike McDonald with us. We have Patty Backus, Mike Klassen, and Brenda Rossotti. Thanks to all of you for being here today. Are we excited? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> That's enthusiasm we like to see. So I'm going to start with Mike. What are you looking for tonight? You know, BC's uh, three largest cities have hot races. And we're going to find out uh, who prevails. But will a Burnaby MP become the mayor of Vancouver? Mm. Will Burnaby get rid of its mayor? And will Doug McCallum return in Surrey after 13 years? So there's a lot of interesting storylines here. Lots of exciting stuff. Patty, what are you looking for? Well, it's definitely a new era, whichever way it plays out tonight. And I'm going to be really interested to see, as Mike said, how the big races play out, but also how their councils play out and what that's going to mean for the next four years. And will some of these mayors be able to work with their councils? And will we see some independents get in with the change in electoral finance rules? We're seeing more independents in the race looking pretty strong. And I'm curious to see if some of them get over the line. That's interesting about this race isn't it too there's a lot of independence but there's also a lot of new parties out there as well I can't remember the last time we yeah. saw something like that well I think the changes to the finance rules have really leveled the playing field or people mm. are hoping they have and we'll see if it really works out that way and I think uh, people felt there was more of an opportunity to get in and they weren't so uh, the campaign may not be so right. dominated by the big parties Mike what are you looking for yeah I think we're early in the night are gonna be looking for really two things uh, certainly the influence of the new electoral election finance uh, rules that have really kind of bring brought down the amount of money that people are spending so it's kind of more or less level the playing field we were seeing some cases where where there's still a lot of big money being spent um, and then uh, really I'm gonna be trying to see a lot of people have been talking about this as being a change election uh, is the is the are the voters out there really fired up and wanting to see change across the board so if we start seeing a lot of people dropping on these councils uh, mm -hmm. across the province uh, we'll get our answer to that question Brenda do you think this is gonna be a change election Absolutely, and if you look at the names of the people who are seeking office, there's a change. Not a lot of recognizable names. Very happy to see that there's far more women and far more people of colour who've put their name forward, so I'll be really watching to see that. The other thing, fascinating thing for me is the 
distinguish between the macro and micro issues. We've had macro issues in, say, communities like Surrey, which is LRT versus SkyTrain. But then there's been a lot of micro issues going on in specific segments of that city and even within Vancouver. And let's see who champions those and who's successful. Okay, so we know we're going to have a long night of looking at results. So I'm going to get you guys to predict right now, where is the surprise going to be? There's always some place where we can't believe that happened. Mike, where's the surprise going to be? Well, the surprise that could happen in Vancouver tonight is if Kennedy Stewart doesn't win. Yeah. And there's been a lot of uh, chatter, I guess, uh, about Shauna Sylvester and whether she has momentum. And mm -hmm. tonight, if she could be the surprise. Okay, Patty, where's the surprise? Well, I've, I'm, I'm interest, really interested in Shauna as well. I think she's really pulled ahead in terms of her campaign and, and, and her impression she's had on people. It hasn't necessarily shown up on the limited polling we've seen, but I do think she has a lot of momentum. Okay. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how these councils play out, and, and it could be a very different era where we're seeing mayors working with councils without necessarily having uh, their support. Okay, Mike, surprise. Uh, I, I think we're going to be looking at potentially the comebacks of some people like Peter Fassbender and, and Langley, if uh, he comes back and Mark Sager. Uh, uh, the um, the Ernie Dakin from uh, from uh, Maple Ridge. So uh, we're going to see. That'll be a night that we'll be looking at some of those races as well. Okay, Brenda, where's the surprise? I think the surprise might be in Surrey. We've heard a lot from two candidates, not very much from one of the other top three. I, I think Burnaby's going to be a big surprise. I think Burnaby has had okay. status quo for so long. It'll be a big night for that. See, we're all excited, too. right? Those yeah. are all things we're going to yeah. be looking forward to. So we are going to be here watching, waiting, analyzing all those results for you right now. Back over to you, Kristen Sophie. Who would have thought a civic election could be so right? full of drama and <laughs> intrigue? That's true. <laughs> all right, thanks, Simi. Well, it's that most wonderful time of the year when all of the major sports leagues are in action. <laughs> and really you've is. got lots yeah. of it tonight. Well, my thumb's a little sore, you know, from the uh, <laughs> remote switching, switching the but it's a good sore, you know. Lots good. going on tonight around here, too, besides that election. The uh, Canucks are finally back back home after their two-week six-game road trip. Elias Pettersson did skate on his own this morning for the first time since suffering that concussion last Saturday. He is still a ways away from returning, but the rest of the Canucks feel confident taking on the Bruins tonight after a very positive 3-3 three and three road trip. I think our game grew over that trip. Um, you know, the, the competitiveness, is, especially in this room, is at another level than it was from last year. You know, guys come back in the room and we make a mistake. You know, guys are patting you on the back going, you know, it's okay, we're getting, we're getting it back. Like, we, we know, I think that whole road trip, we knew even if we were down by a goal, we knew we were coming back at some point. We knew that we were going to make a push. We knew it was, it was just time before before we got back in the game and, and started tilting the ice their way, and that's, that's a really good feeling to have in the room. Well, in the CFL, it's all about getting on a roll at the right time of year. And right now, the Lions are that team that is ramping up its game just in time for a Grey Cup run. BC clinched a playoff spot last night, and the Lions feel they are as capable as anyone to lift the Grey Cup next month. The Lions are headed to the postseason thanks to their sixth win in seven games. BC is the hottest team in the league right now at the right time. The Lions were just three and six at the midway point of the season, but they are a much different team right now. And they owe it to some shrewd moves by GM Ed Hervey, who added some key veterans, including running back Terrell Sutton and receiver Devere Posey in the past month. I think what Ed did was he found guys with the right intangibles. And uh, and when you talk about that process of gelling, uh, I think he got the right guys with the right intangibles so you can kind of expedite that process and kind of get over that learning curve. It took a lot of hard work to get to this point. A lot of people 
maybe didn't think we'd, we'd have an opportunity to, to do that, but uh, but here we are. Not to Riley, got away, but they track it down, and it's Sean Lemon with the sack. The Lions' defense has done the bulk of the heavy lifting during this hot streak, but now the offense has kicked it into gear. Terrell Sutton's bulldozing running style has helped open up the passing game, which had been stagnant much of the year. And with Travis Lule at the controls, the Lions' offense has never looked more dynamic in 2018. Respect. Uh, there's a, uh, a willingness to follow. You know, that kind of aura that he has. And, you know, it's, you know, he's earned it. Uh, the players believe in him. He's just got it, you know. Uh, he's just one of those guys that you can look at him and he just exudes confidence. And, I mean, that's what you need, man. And it's awesome to have him back there. The Lions can still finish as high as second in the West if they win their final two games and Winnipeg splits its last two. The way the Lions are going, anything is possible. Honestly, to have the best chance in the playoffs, you got to have a home game. You know, whether it's the first or the second, you got to have a home game. It's tough to go on the road and win two in a row. It's tough. Either way, the Lions are in the playoffs, and that keeps the dream alive to win Wally Buono one last Grey Cup in his final CFL season. All right, CFL today, Rough Riders and Stampeders. Lions can still catch Saskatchewan in the standings. They're currently second first quarter. Trey Mason with the touchdown run gave the Riders the lead. They were up nine at the half. The Stamps really struggling offensively right now. Third quarter, Calgary with a chance to take the lead, but Bo Levi Mitchell is picked off by the former Lion, Mike Edom. And right now, the Riders lead 29-24 very late in the fourth quarter. And back to the NHL. One game to show you from this afternoon. Jets and Coyotes. Second period, Mark Scheifele. Nice setup for Josh Morrissey, the former Kelowna Rocket. 3-1 Jets after two and then to the third. Now 3-2. This time, it's Matthew Perot pulling the trigger from the slot. Jets now 3-0-1 in their homestand after the... They beat Arizona 5-3. Welcome back. The Seahawks may be resting on their bye week, but Chanel refuses to take any time off. The hardest working man in Burnaby has a Seahawks season summary in the red zone. At 3-3, three three, the Seahawks are right in the thick of the playoff race. Now, winning the division likely won't happen as the Rams are undefeated and running away with the NFC West. But a wildcard spot for Seattle is not out of the question. Let's take a look at what has worked through the first six games and what needs to be addressed moving forward. Let's start with Russell Wilson. His numbers aren't off the charts. 21st overall. He has 14 touchdowns to just four interceptions. Now, he's been sacked 19 times, but 12 of those coming in the first two games of the season. Now, with protection getting better and Doug Baldwin back, Wilson could be poised to help the Hawks make a run in the final 10 games. For the first time in a couple of seasons, the run game is back. Seattle is number seven, rushing the ball, averaging 170 team yards in the last three games. Chris Carson, Mike Davis leading the charge. Now, when the Seahawks have run the ball more than 30 times in a game, they're 3-1. Under 30 carries, 0-2. Now, if the Hawks can continue the ground attack, it bodes well when the competition cranks up. 
Despite an overhaul and injuries, the defense has been solid. 10th best, allowing less than 20 points a game. Now the Hawks have the fifth most takeaways with 13, including eight in just the last four weeks. And in that stretch, they've racked up four interceptions and 13 sacks. But this unit faces some top-notch quarterbacks coming up, Goff, Rodgers, Cousins, and Mahomes. Find a way to keep them in check, and the postseason dream remains alive. The extra week off has allowed some of the injured to heal. KJ Wright, Nick Vanette, and some others could return by week eight. And Seattle has done well after their bye, 32-16-1 over the last five seasons. All right, Raptors playing their first road game after impressive home victories over the Cavs and Celtics. Kawhi Leonard sitting this one out. The Raps making sure their star doesn't overdo it as he tries to make a complete recovery from his injuries last year. Kyle Lowry picking up the slack. Long three here. Lowry 12 in the first half, 28 overall. Raptors led by three. And getting some help from the bench, Pascal Siakam throwing it down. 117-113 Raps win. They're now 3-0 to start the year. EPL feature match, Jose Mourinho returning to Stamford Bridge. Man United, Chelsea. Anthony Martial gives United a 2-1 lead in the 73rd minute. And it looked as though Mourinho would finally get that long-awaited victory at his old stadium. But in the sixth minute of injury time, Ross Barkley and Chelsea with a dramatic equalizer. Then it all hits the fan on the sidelines. A member of Chelsea's technical staff celebrating right in Mourinho's face and Mourinho didn't like it. Security, coaching staff, players from both sides get involved. Apologies all around after, but it ends 2-2. A little excitement there. Man City Burnley. Joe Hart knows what it feels like now to be on the other end of the barrage. The former City goalkeeper got torched today. Sergio Aguero makes it 1-0 and then Riyad Mahrez adding to the onslaught. 5-0 the final. City and Liverpool tied atop the Premiership with 23 points. Chelsea and Tottenham are now two points back. And baseball game seven NLCS Dodgers Brewers early action. Bottom of the first Christian Yelich with the solo shot off Walker Bueller just out of the reach of Yasiel Puig barely clears the wall. One nothing Brewers but the Dodgers answer Cody Bellinger two run homer to right center L.A. back in front 2 one now in the fifth the winner gets the Red Sox in the World Series which starts Tuesday at Fenway. There you are. What a night. Lots going on. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks Barry. Mm -hmm. So the man who made pot trendy or one of them anyway back in the 1970s was in the Okanagan last night praising homegrown weed. It was always legal for me whether it's apples or pot they grow the best produce. Kelowna went up in smoke as Tommy Chong celebrated legalization in Canada just a couple of days late. He was supposed to hit the Okanagan on Wednesday, but a misplaced passport delayed his visit. Mm -hmm. The 80-year-old comedian known for his marijuana-themed Cheech and Chong movies and albums was the guest of honor at a Kelowna pot party. Dozens of fans lined up and smoked up for the chance to meet the legendary pothead. 80 years old, we will remind you. <laughs> Dave's not here, man. Remember that? In pretty good shape. Uh, that's right. Okay, and before we leave, we uh, want to do a special shout-out to one of our own here at Global News and her new husband. She's not working the election tonight because she's busy with other things. This is our Nadia Stewart. Uh, she just tweeted this photo of her and her new husband, Narcisse, on their wedding day today, and she 
wrote on her Twitter comment, Today I voted for love. So sweet. So cute. Very sweet. Look at those beautiful. Well, at least you voted, photo. Nadia. At least you voted. <laughs> uh, got really high there. Congratulations! <laughs> congratulations to them both. We will miss her on the coverage tonight, mm. but we've got the whole area blanketed. Sarah McDonald, Aaron MacArthur, Jordan, Sonia. Everybody's Kylie's out there. We're in Victoria. That's right. Yeah, all kinds of stuff coming up. Our broadcast will start at 8 o'clock. We hope you can join us. BC1, 8 o'clock. Global here uh, at 10 o'clock. And CKNW all evening as well. Have a great night.